This is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for October 2nd, 2017. If you are a teacher looking for an engineer to talk with your students, or if you're an engineer looking to share what you know with students, then today's guest is trying to find you. I'm Pius Wong. My guest is Sarah McAnulty, a PhD student and scientist in biology at the University of Connecticut. And in her spare time, Sarah runs a program called Skype a Scientist that virtually connects classrooms with scientists and engineers. Hear her talk about it next. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. I am really happy to have you because you I uh, have started a program called Skype a Scientist, and I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. But real briefly, could you just introduce yourself and what you do in general? Yeah, sure. So I am a PhD student at the University of Connecticut. I work with um, squid biology, so I work on these Hawaiian bobtail squid for most of my job. Um, but I also organize this program, Skype a Scientist, pretty much in my spare time when I can. Cool. And do you have a lot of time for that? Um, I mean... Time management is uh, is helpful, so I, I have some spare time, more spare time over the summer, but I usually am teaching and doing science uh, for most of the hours that I'm awake. Wow. And so in yeah. addition to all of that, you're running this program called Skype a Scientist, and mm -hmm. if uh, the engineering teachers or other engineers who are listening don't know what that is, how would you describe it to them? It's basically a program that just matches scientists from all different um, fields with classrooms across the country and really across the world. The point of the program is just to get students to be able to interact with a real scientist in their classrooms for about a half hour to an hour um, and just ask questions that they think they'd like to know the answers to. So the scientists will tell the teacher generally what they do um, and what type of scientist they are, what they work on. And then the teacher will prepare the students, um, give them a little information about what type of scientist they're about to talk to. Um, this could also be an engineer or a doctor, a veterinarian, mm -hmm. depending on what the teacher asks for. And then the scientist or engineer, what have you, will Skype in and then just chat with the students and kind of have a conversation. There's a lot of uh, resources online for lectures by scientists yeah. for this, this group. Um, but we really wanted to have like an actual interaction where the students could feel like they're being heard and really interact um, have a personal connection with a scientist. Right. That's actually interesting that you mentioned that. Do you also record any of the interactions that you have? We haven't yet, um, but we, we we're thinking about doing that in the future. And we have also thought about just posting videos on the website of uh, scientists giving little spiels about what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure it would be interesting, as interesting um, to people to see the question and answer sessions as it is to be involved in a question and answer session. And we've had like 1,500 scientists or more, like I think we're up to 1,551 or something, oh, wow. um, signed up. So we have a lot of energy in the scientific community in wanting to like connect with people. Um, so there's no shortage of scientists to, to get involved. Um, so if you want to have a session, just just ask and we can set it up. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was thinking of, basically who's involved. It sounds like a lot of scientists. And you also mentioned engineers and doctors and other STEM professionals. Uh, yes. Are, yeah. you, are you still growing then if you already have all this this team behind you? Yeah, I mean, in terms of organization, it's basically just me and one software engineer and mm -hmm. my uh, good, my best friend, uh, David Jenkins, who helped me organize the website and everything. Um, but 
it, that's in terms of like the the Skype a scientist team. But it, this program couldn't exist without the 1,500 scientists that are actually going into classrooms and talking to people. So we're getting scientists sign up, you know, maybe like five to 10 a day will sign up. Um, they hear about it through Facebook or from Twitter. And so our numbers continue to go up. But uh, I, in terms of classrooms, I think we have about 1,000 signed up so far. So there's a, we can reach about 5,000 classrooms right now. Um, when a scientist signs up, they tell me how many classrooms they want to volunteer for for the fall semester. Right. And given those numbers, yeah, I think like 5,500, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, we can reach. Yeah, we can really talk to a lot of people. The real like hurdle that I'm facing right now is trying to get the word out to teachers. And uh, hopefully this podcast will help with that. Yeah, hopefully. I, I do know that the engineering teachers I've spoken to personally, they've always are, they, they always want uh, students to interact with professional engineers and scientists. And if they could do it over Skype, I think that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah. So logistically, could you walk me through it? Like if a teacher was listening and they want to know how is this really going to work? Because they're always complaining also about I don't have any time. How would right. they get involved in this and what's involved? The sign-up process is pretty easy. So you go to uh, www.skypeascientist.com, and for whatever reason, on some browsers, you actually need the www, which is a pretty 1990s kind of thing to need, but uh, huh. for whatever reason, that's the case, so make sure you put that in there. And then just click the Four Teachers tab, and you'll click a sign-up button, and that'll bring you to a Google form, and you'll just put in the information for your classroom, uh, tell the form what kind of uh, STEM professional you'd like to talk to, um, and then hit submit. And you should submit one form for every session you want to have. So let's say your eighth graders want to talk to one doctor, one engineer, and uh, one marine biologist, or one marine biologist, one microbiologist, whatever. Yeah. You just fill out multiple forms, and every form you fill out will be equivalent to one classroom session. And pretty much from there, you get matched and then um, the scientists will get your contact information and you'll get the scientist contact information. And then you and your scientist or engineer will communicate with each other and set up a time and a day that your session will take place. It sounds a lot like Tinder. Just have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. Although you don't get to reject any scientists. Um, <laughs> you don't swipe left was, or right on you the don't scientists. Swipe okay. On the scientists. But. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a matching, maybe more like, I don't know, match.com. I've never used it. But right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that's actually really neat. I, I didn't think about that. But the analogy is like right there in my imagination now. Um, yeah. So in terms of the schools involved, you said you're trying to expand and reach more people. Is there a type of school or a type of student that you think the program is best for? Or is it really for any level, any age? It's really for any school. Um, I don't think that necessarily – these are these sessions are only for like AP classes or something like that. I mm -hmm. think that any level of student in terms of age or advancement level would be good for this because one of the real things that we wanted to try to accomplish with this program is just like getting science more into the consciousnesses of general people. Um, and we don't want to only hit students that would already be interested in science anyway. Um, so if you have a group of pretty unengaged students that this might help them get a little bit more jazzed about science. We're totally willing to talk to those kids. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like maybe even museums or after-school programs or something might be interested. Is that cool, too? Yeah, definitely. We'll take pretty much anything. Um, <laughs> we haven't had like any adult clubs sign up so far, 
Um, but we would, uh, you know, that would be fine. If you have like a reading group at a library or like a Lions Club or Rotary Club, that would be fine too. We've had Girl Scout troops sign up a couple different after school programs. We've had like a women in STEM after school club, which I'm just like so happy exists at all. Um, hmm. They signed up for a session, which is pretty cool. And yeah, and like library, I think some librarians have signed up to do um, after school stuff as well. So awesome. And then, flexible. yeah, then on the STEM professional side, is there a vetting process? Like how do the teachers know that they're getting quality? We ask them to tell us what university or in some cases it's companies. So we have industry professionals as well okay. to tell us who they're associated with. Um, we generally look for like a .edu or um, professional email account. But we don't interview the scientists because I'm really just doing this by myself and I yeah, don't have yeah. time to uh, e you know, talk to 1,500 people. Um, but we ask them to like give a little five-word spiel about what they do. So I guess it is technically possible that someone who knows the right words could sign up. But we haven't had that happen yet. We have like 800 sessions in the, in the fall or the spring semester and that we didn't have any complaints about. Cool. Like rogue people coming in. Um, <laughs> although I can't like yeah. give you a money back guarantee. No, no, so, right. Like, there's uh, no money okay. in this middle. But but uh, yeah, we hope that doesn't happen. No, but it, there is. It sounds like there's at least some vetting process because oftentimes teachers themselves, when they're looking for them on their own, they run into even worse problems because they might not know anybody. So I think that Skype a scientist right. still sounds really useful. And yeah. uh, I wanted to ask. So why are you? personally doing this? I know that in general, you said the mission is to kind of spread um, interest in these fields, but what made you want to start this? So it was um, January and um, I was getting kind of bummed out. There's a lot of uh, just kind of like anti-science rhetoric going around in the country. And I was just like, man, so, so often you hear um, kind of like conspiracy theorists, like say things like um, they have a cure for cancer, but they're just hiding it or, or like this crazy stuff like yeah. anti-global warming like and it's just sort of disheartening and I sometimes just think man if they just like met one of us and got a sense of who scientists really are we're not these like crazy uh, wild-haired guys in the in the tall castle we're just regular people maybe they'd be more willing to trust us or more more inclined to trust us so um, I think that personal connections with scientists could really go a long way just in like fostering trust with people. Hmm. So we were kind of brainstorming like, OK, well, how can we do this on a big scale? We thought the Internet might be good, partially because scientists are pretty busy people. And I wanted to develop a program where scientists could participate and talk to people outside of science without having to leave their lab at all. And so just like little 30 minute commitments is pretty easy for anybody to do. And we also wanted to get to areas of the country and the world where people wouldn't naturally run into scientists in their right. everyday life. So right. in cities, you have science museums, you have universities, but in like the middle of nowhere in like Indiana or Kansas or whatever, that may not be a thing that you could naturally find without having to go on like a three hour road trip or whatever. Yeah, so totally. we wanted to reach these populations. Okay, that's awesome. And it makes me think that also people could experience different types of science that they never would have gotten into. Like, I guess you said you're in squid biology. That's something yeah. that I'm sure that a lot of Texas people aren't going to see. There's not a lot of squid floating around in the middle of our, our state. But yeah, um, for sure. what's the future of the program then? I know it's kind of this volunteer thing that you're doing because it's, it's fulfilling and stuff. But what do you envision happening with it? I mean, so I last semester I had matched every scientist and classroom by hand. Wow. Um, which took a long time. Um, and now we have this kind of computer program that will do it for us. 
So in terms of like the amount of time it takes for me, it's, it's gone down a lot, which is really great because it's allowed me to expand the program to a lot more people. Thankfully, it's not too terribly much of my time, or at least I hope it won't be. It'll be like answering emails and like kind of putting out little fires. So I hope to just kind of keep it going where it is and get more people enrolled and hearing about it um, and keep it where, where, where it is in terms of scope, just with more numbers of people. Okay. And Sarah, I'm just going to remind anyone listening that even though it is called Skype a Scientist, you had said that engineers are perfectly welcome and are already involved, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. And are there any other things that people should know about the program? Maybe how to contact you or if they have any questions, anything like that? Yeah. So I would encourage everyone to like read through the website. There's not a ton of uh, stuff on there, so you can probably knock it out in like five, 10 minutes. Um, but if you have any questions in addition to like the frequently asked questions and all that, just shoot me an email at skypeascientist at gmail.com. Um, and you know, we can accommodate any like kind of different requests. Like if you need somebody who speaks sign language, we have a couple signers mm. uh, within the scientists, but like the computer program won't be able to handle that. So we have to kind of do it outside of the computer software. Okay. Um, so if you have any like niche requests, just email me and we'll try to set that up. Um, okay. But yeah, we encourage everyone to apply and or not apply, just sign up and you'll, you'll inevitably get in. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. And uh, I will be hopefully keeping track of what's going on with the program. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks once again to Sarah McAnulty for speaking. notes, links, and transcripts related to this episode or others, please visit the show website, k12engineering.net. And leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and follow the show on Facebook or other social media. Finally, you can financially support the show by donating on Patreon at patreon.com slash pioslabs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. Our closing music for this episode is called I Miss You by Soiree. And you can find more of his music on SoundCloud under the username Soiree Beats. Or just check out the show notes for this episode and you can find a link to it. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. Everyone, thank you once again for listening and please tune in again. the beginning of October here. And I just have to say once again, thank you so much to the supporters of this show, including and especially the supporters of this show on Patreon. And I mentioned the link before it's patreon.com slash Pios labs, but basically you make this show possible. Um, you help pay for the internet that runs everything and you help share the show with others. And I appreciate it. So that's all. Thanks.